Dane, welcome to the RevAmp podcast show. We're happy to have you aboard here uh, today. Morning time for me and it looks like evening for you. Uh, for those who don't already have the, uh, the pleasure of knowing you, could you just start perhaps by introducing yourself, your role, and a little bit more about your company? Yeah, Gideon, thanks for having me. Um, it's great to be here and be a part of the RevAmp podcast. Um, yeah, my name is Dane and I am leading the uh, revenue operations effort at um, Binder, which is a digital asset management company or DAM uh, in the DAM space. And I'm only six weeks on the job. So I'm in a unique position where I get to kind of create this revenue operations framework uh, from the ground up and use my previous experience in sales operations and revenue operations to, uh, to lead that effort. I understand that right now one of the uh, the immediate dynamics of your situation is that you're physically in the U.S. in Colorado, and your team that you'll be building out will be based in in Western Europe. Maybe uh, which country will that be in? Uh, it's in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Yeah, so Binder uh, was was born and founded in in Amsterdam. Uh, it's since grown. We've got offices, you know, ac- across Europe and across the U.S. Um, but yeah, making the, the transition from, from Colorado to being an expat in Amsterdam. And this is actually the second time I'll be in Europe. Uh, for three years, I lived in Brussels, Belgium with my previous company. And uh, we loved being in Europe, both from a work and personal perspective. And so the family's moving over there again. Um, COVID has, you know, uh, delayed things a little bit. It's not the easiest time to uh, to move abroad, um, but the idea is to be there January first and be located with uh, with all my colleagues there in Amsterdam. Fantastic. So you're already uh, you're already immersing yourself in that whole process. Tell me, where do you start with build, with building out your RevOps team and program? Yeah, so I think it's it's really important to understand the purpose of why RevOps. What does it mean? What does it do, et cetera? And there's lots of great frameworks out there. There's lots of great um, resources out there in the revenue operations community. Um, and you know, you really have to understand the advantages of a revenue operations team and understanding what it means to have revenue operations within an organization. And, you know, Serious Decisions, which is one of those resources, they put it really eloquently. It's increased the efficiency, effectiveness, and business contribution by aligning revenue impacting operations teams. Now, that's a mouthful. There's lots of buzzwords in there. Um, But essentially, it's how do you support the revenue engine the most effective and efficient way possible? How do your sales reps, how do your BDRs, how do your customer success, uh, you know, representatives, how do they impact the customer in a meaningful way? How do you increase customer satisfaction? How do you drive more revenue? And how do you do it the most efficient way possible where you're increasing profitability? And really that's the key is that's the purpose. You know, it's, it's not about, um, you know, anything other than helping support the revenue engine. So I imagine that even though the you know the definition of purpose might be crystal clear to yourself when you are introducing a new team into an existing company um for lack of a better word politically you might have other um line of business teams other groups within the organization who might not fully get 
what this means to them personally, what it means to maybe them themselves as leaders and what it means to the company. So tell me, how do you, what's your starting point for dealing with that reality? How do you go about that? Yeah. Yeah. Understanding the politics of the organization is, is really paramount. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways you can, you can implement revenue operations in an organization. You can have it all under one, you know, org structure where you're taking marketing ops from marketing and sales ops from sales and customer success from downstream. Some organizations have business operations included or partner operations, et cetera. But um, the org chart really doesn't really matter. You know, it's about understanding the, the players and driving to get alignment um, across those different stakeholders. And it starts at the top. You know, it starts with executive alignment with you might have a CMO, you know, chief marketing officer, a CRO, so chief revenue officer, which would typically have your sales teams and getting, you know, the, the buy-in from them that this type of alignment and coalition is going to help them be more successful in their jobs. And then the other thing is to ensure that, you know, the people who are within those teams understand what you're doing. Um, you almost, you know, you have to reach across the aisle, so to speak, you know, and, and break down those barriers um, and it's also understanding what's been done previously. You know, I'm coming into the organization, there's been bits and pieces here or there. And what you're really trying to do is, is consolidate all those efforts into one and, you know, really think about the implications and the political, you know, implications of what you're trying to do and not piss anyone off. You know, you don't want to make anyone angry. Um, so you just have to, you have to be careful on your first day. You got to wait for day two, at least until you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You don't want to come in, you know, just completely knocking everything down. You want to, you know, listen and absorb and, and really understand what's going on. Uh, before you start really doing anything. So I got a difficult question for you related to that, because you've done this before you've done rev operations, uh, before, before, before this company, do you feel yep. as you look backwards to look forwards that it's about getting those other stakeholders to share your view or your agenda of what sales operations is and what it needs to be within within your given company? Or is it about you reaching out to fit in with their priorities and reshaping the narrative so that it makes sense for them, but they still feel like they're leading the agenda and they have ownership? Which Because that's a that's two different tensions right there. Very much. That's yeah, really good thought to have. You know, it's it's are you pushing your agenda or are you trying to fit within someone else's agenda? And I, I'll probably take the easy way out and say it's a mixture of both. You know, that um, you really have to ensure that there are already established goals within the company, you know, and there are revenue targets. There are um you know, other corporate level objectives, there are existing team objectives. So uh, a CMO might have, you know, already an agenda that they've, they've laid out. And so you definitely need to make sure that what you're doing is not in, um, you know, it's complementary to those. It's, it's not in conflict of what the organization is trying to do. But at the same time, you also need to make sure that you're imparting your knowledge in what's going on and the why 
it's important to have revenue operations in this framework. And, you know, in my example, I'm really lucky. Binder is a very progressive company. They are, uh, they're very open to change and evolution. The company understands that they're at this inflection point where it's been rapid growth, but they're no longer this small scrappy startup. They want to, you know, we want to evolve into this big enterprise company. And in order to do that, you need to put some of these frameworks in place from a revenue operations perspective. And so they're looking at me to bring that knowledge. So it's got to, it's got to be a mixture of both. So I've got, I, and now I even have a, maybe a even more difficult question for you on the back of that one. So when, <laughs> so if you were advising somebody who's building out a RevOps program, just like yourself, would you advise them or the, the, the person hiring them probably at the C-level, I guess, or, or senior management to give a KPI for success that aligns those different lines of business so that your KPI is also maybe shared or a portion of your KPIs are shared by maybe the marketing leadership or the CRO leadership or whatever. So you're not speaking two languages, Absolutely. but essentially, even if whatever 60% of the KPIs are different, at least there's 4% where it's exactly the same. There's one way of recognizing it. Um, would you insist on that yes. from, from the get-go? Absolutely. That's what drives the alignment. So my previous company and this current company, Binder, we use the OKR framework, so objective and key results. And I, the reason I like OKR framework is because at the end of the day, the, you can have the same objective across multiple teams, but the key result of what's going to get your team to that objective can be different. And so the objective is what drives that alignment across teams. And actually within my first six weeks, I mean, we've created RevOps Q4 OKRs and the objective is the same at the corporate level. And I've created with my team, the key results that are going to get us there. You know, what are those short-term goals that are going to, you know, help drive that objective. And typically, you know, an objective could be, you know, increase or hit a certain revenue target well what are we going to do to help that happen and you know within the RevOps framework there's lots of ways that that can that can happen very cool so you've covered purpose you've covered politics yep. what are the uh the key problems that you might need to call out and and uh and recognize and acknowledge let's start with acknowledging the problems before we even deal with them <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah, the, the steps of reform, you know, first you have to admit that you have a problem before you can go fix the problem. And, yeah. you know, that that's that's something there, too. You know, I'm I'm fortunate that at Binder, people understand the problem and they they're they're they want to fix it. Um, but you might be in a situation where people are saying, no, 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 that's not a problem or, you know, something like that. And I guess that goes back to the politics thing. But you really have to understand what the problem is. And I think the most important thing is don't focus on the symptoms of the problem. You got to get to the underlying problem. I call it rock bottom. Like where is bottom? When have we hit bottom? What is the underlying thing here that we need to solve for? And then the symptoms will take care of themselves. And so data is often one of those things. You know, you come into an organization, you're at a, a maturation point in the organization where the data just, it's all over the place. You, you have um, data cleanliness, disjointed data that isn't connected. You have data, you know, one team is reporting one thing and another team is reporting another and they should match, but they don't because you're not using the same data sources. And so um, that's a huge component. Parent-child hierarchies, um, 
you know, uh, the, the tech stack is another huge thing where, you know, that's a problem. Um, you know, oftentimes people implement tools because they think the tool is going to solve the problem. Well, guess what? The tool has just amplified your problem. You know, an inefficient process automated just becomes more inefficient. So, um, no, you know, it becomes, looking at inef- the tech, it become, becomes inefficient at scale. That's why we exactly, automate it, right? Exactly, <laughs> which, is, which is worse. You know, it's just amplified the whole problem. So, you know, the tech stack, you have to take a step backwards and really think about, okay, if we're going to implement a certain tool, what are we trying to solve for and go fix that? So CPQ is a, a, a great example of that. People think, oh, we'll just do a CPQ tool. Well, if your product and pricing configurations aren't, fully dialed, then having a CPQ automation tool is not really going to help. If you don't have list price, if you don't know what discounting is, if you don't know how you're selling products together, et cetera. So first you got to go solve the, the product and pricing problem. Then you could talk about a tool to automate your product and pricing. And so that's something that I'm in the middle of right now. It's fun. I mean, this is, to me, this is exciting. Like this is, this is where it's interesting. And what's great is that Binder, you know, the, the teams that I'm working with, they admit that they have the problem, you know, they admit it and, and we're working together to go figure out where is rock bottom, go solve that and then build up from there. So it sounds like you recognize the potential. Um, what does that, what, you know, and the problem is not the be all and end all because it's outweighed by, by the potential when you kind of stack them up side by side against each other. How do you, how, as you're walking into this, how do you recognize the, uh, the potential within Binder yeah. and, and everything that goes with that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's the potential from a tactical perspective and there's the tact, the, the strategic potential as well. And, you know, you have to think about what you can achieve in, in both of those areas. And, um, you know, the, the, the framework that is revenue operations, the overall potential is really this full lead to renewal process. That's just firing on all cylinders and, You've got the tech stack fully dialed. You've got the data flowing. You've got the reporting and analytics. Like that's that's the tactical component to the potential of what's going on. And I see that at Binder. Even six weeks in, I can see kind of the pieces. You know, it's like the the matrix kind of thing. You're like you're like reading the code. You're seeing it, and you're seeing it all kind of come together. You haven't executed any of this yet, by the way. I'm only six weeks in, but like you can see that potential, and that's what motivates you but more importantly it's what motivates the team because this isn't about one person coming in and and doing something it's about the team coming together and seeing the potential together and going "Ooh, let's go do that let's go solve that and then that's the tactical side the strategic side the potential with the, the strategic side is having those strategic conversations not just with management but also your sales leaders your sales reps in getting them to see the potential of what can happen with a strong revenue operations function. Because again, we go back to the purpose. The purpose is to support those teams. Um, And having them understand that potential and that strategic guidance that you can have. How do we go? Enterprise B2B sales is really hard to be a sales rep. I mean, it is not easy. People say, oh, you know, sales, like it's one of the hardest jobs out there. And so, 
by being that strategic sparring partner, you know, to, to work together and think about how do we break into accounts? How do we, you know, get that internal champion? How do we make the legal process, you know, redlining process easier? How do we, you know, you could just go on and on. And those types of conversations are really exciting. Um, and, you know, the, the world is, is endless when you start talking about strategy um, in addition to, to tactics. You know what strikes me as I heard you speaking there about potential is that potent, deferred potential, which is the sales leaders saw it a year ago, they saw it two years ago, the ideas were sounded out, you know, at, at meetings and such, but action wasn't taken because there wasn't a RevOps team or RevOps leadership structure in place, ends up having a negative or adverse effect by potential, which is not realized for an extended period of time becomes frustration, becomes almost resentment. It becomes the opposite of every good thing because people, then when you come in yeah. and everything has already been spoken about before, but nothing has been delivered, people are jaded. Yeah. So I imagine from a, a top-down leadership point of view, there's a need to bring in that RevOps function sooner rather than later and to know that now is the time to realize the potential and not six months from now, et cetera, et cetera. And it's the compounding concept too. You know, if, if you take care of the problem, if you put in that framework now and you clean things up, you're compounding success instead of compounding complications. You know, when you think about your Salesforce instance, the sooner you can put in Salesforce governance into the place, into your organization, the better it's going to be, you know, in the long term. And it makes it just think about onboarding a new sales rep. If your Salesforce instance is all over the place, onboarding becomes a challenge because, oh no, you have to click over here. You have to fill out this field, you know, but if you've got the flow dialed, onboarding becomes easier. And that's just one small example of where that compounding effect, sooner you can do it, the better. And also, again, that's just the tactical, the strategic, the sooner you can bring in a strategic RevOps mind you can spar with your, your CRO, your CMO, et cetera, of, you know, what's the next hire we're going to do? When is the right time to put in a BDR team? When is the next time to have a re renewals or strategic account management? You can have those kinds of conversations. You can test things out. You can theorize, et cetera. Um, and then again, it compounds on itself. So yeah, the potential is all there. The sooner you can bring in someone, definitely the better. Hmm. Aside from speaking to yourself, I've spoken to, to many in sales and revenue operations professionals, you know, many guests within this podcast series that share with me and with us how wide the scope of the role can be yeah. for yourself as you're taking this on. How do you begin to prioritize? <laughs> yeah, priorities are tough. I think it's it's twofold. One, you have to think about kind of how do you make an impact, you know, uh, in the short term? What's the quickest path? to an ROI for, for you, for the team, because that builds momentum, you know? And so maybe it's a data cleanup effort. Maybe it's a uh, new report, you know, a new way to forecast. Oh, you've never done, you know, weighted forecasting. Let's, let's try that. Let's, let's do that type of stuff. So you can look across the, you know, the, the organization, it could be, uh, you know, impacting commissions, automating, you know, a component, start with something small and simple and, you know, do a couple of those and get momentum going because 
that will energize you as a RevOps leader, but it'll also energize your team to see that. And, you know, that again, it compounds it on itself. You've got the energy, you show the ROI. But I think you also need to prioritize a lot of those problems that, that we talked about earlier. You need to get down to the base root and prioritize the big ticket items that are going to have the most impact for the long term. So right now I've got kind of that two-year vision, that two-year roadmap. Um, so I'm thinking about what can I do in Q4 to help us succeed in Q4, because that's huge. But then what am I, should I also be doing in Q4 that's going to help us get to where we need to be at the end of 2022? And so having that dichotomy of a short-term priority versus the long-term priority is really important because some of these projects, I mean, to implement a new tool, to fix your, your data, to implement Salesforce governance, whatever the case may be, to change your commission uh, structure, whatever the case may be, it takes a while to, to execute those things. So you got to start now. Right. So you were saying that essentially there's a ratio between the now versus the future and, and mostly they're overlapping and you just you just the ratios of how much time you spent on each in, in the given quarter. Yeah. But you can't afford you can't afford not to think about the future and to and to defer that and make that conditional. Exactly. Because if you're just thinking about now, you know, you're you're not gonna be laying that foundation to really make that long term impact. So you have to have that um that dichotomy of, of now versus later. On the flip side, are there any kind of typical false flags that you'll see in revenue operations where people think it is a priority, but really it's not? <laughs> Probably all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think what ends up happening is people think it's a priority, but it's really a symptom of the problem. Right. You know, it's, it's not the problem itself. And, you know, maybe that's where kind of like what you talked about, you have to work with other people's agendas and everything. Hey, okay, let's go tackle that. You know, you, you know, inherently that that's just a symptom of another underlying problem, but you know, you can't get to that underlying problem, maybe for another six to 12 months. So in order to kind of win points, you know, develop relationships, et cetera, maybe you do have to go a little bit outside and, and fix a symptom of a problem. Um, but you still need to, you know, that's still progress too, you know, because in the short term, that person's life might be easier or they might be able to succeed and then it compounds on itself. Hmm. So if I pull this all together, I think what would be interesting now to, to think about or to hear from you would be what your leadership philosophy is for progression of your team members and how that contributes to the progress of the revenue operations um, agenda and team overall. So from purely from a leadership point of view, how do you, how do you build out that team? How do you lead? How do you, how do you invest in, and how do you weigh that all up? What's your uh, philosophy there? Yeah, no, that's a, it's a good question. And, you know, it's something that I, I can't really take credit for. I've, I've had some really great, uh, you know, managers and mentors in my career one of whom has been on the RevAmp podcast, Jeff Wadholm, who's now with MindBody. He was my boss for, for many years. And, um, you know, I've kind of learned from, from him, learned from the best. And, you know, his philosophy, and I, I've taken it to heart, is invest in your team. And, you know, they'll, it'll take care of itself from there. Um, when you really put the emphasis on 
growing each of your individual team members and thinking about what they want. Um, the more you can do to support that, the better the whole team is going to be because a, that person's going to be happier, you know, especially in the COVID times, burnouts, real, et cetera. So if that person's really engaged and, you know, you're imparting your knowledge, but then you're also thinking about what did they want out of this? Cause some people in their career, they're happy. You know, there are analysts that have been analysts for 20 years and they don't want to become a manager. They just want to stay an individual contributor. And you want to support that. You want to say, okay, how do I make your life easier as an analyst or, you know, in that role where you can see yourself still in that role in 20 years. Then there's other people, myself included, who, you know, hey, I want to be a manager. I want to be a director. I want to keep going. Okay, well then to go from individual contributor to manager, what do we need to do? Do you, you know, become part of other conversations? Do you get uh, involved in different components, et cetera? Um, and then, you know, there's also the consideration there are some people you understand they're not going to be with the company forever. Right. And, but what you're trying to do is help them succeed in their role so that they will do better when they go to a new company. And, you know, it's that community feel, right? Like, especially in the RevOps world where, you know, RevOps people go to different community, different companies, but you're still part of that revenue operations community they're learning, they're progressing, and you know you're able to um, you're able to really grow the individual to kind of grow the team and go from there. I see that that idea and that reality of RevOps community really becoming more and more real, more tangible uh, in recent months, even recent years, and probably has been accelerated by COVID nineteen and the fact that we have more time to communicate you know yep. you and i might not be doing this meeting in this uh, interview right now if it were normal times you might be too busy in amsterdam eating your pancakes and and uh <laughs> and managing your, yeah and managing your your new team so I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunities that come out of it i was actually thinking to kind of be to test this this out devil's advocate when you're building a new team, you might hire people that are highly motivated because, you know, then you can invest in their progression. When you inherit a team, you might um, come across team members who are not highly motivated and are completely okay with the status quo. Yeah. And therefore, you're trying to change the, the internal culture from that of indifference or maintenance mode to that of growth. And I don't think you can disconnect revenue operations from growth, if that's a fair statement, right? It's definitely a fair statement. Yeah. And I think what I've seen is people, companies that are investing in revenue operations, they have that, that change mentality. You know, it's, it, it is something that kind of goes hand in hand with revenue operations is that growth set, like we, that growth mindset, like we need to grow. So we need to put in place this structure there might be individuals on the team that, you know, might not want to play ball. And, you know, you probably, you've got to do your best to, to, you know, satisfy them and their needs. Again, going back to the progression, investing your team and, and, you know, what do they want out of all of this? Um, but at the same time, those people are probably going to be pushed out anyway, because if you're in a high growth business, change is inevitable. And if you're, resi you know, resistant to change, go work at a huge company that's well-established, that's totally mature, you know, and, and go have that job and, and that career for 20 years. But um, I think what we've been seeing in the B2B space that need revenue operations functions 
it's that highly dynamic environment. And Binder is a great example of that. You know, it's very dynamic. We're growing very fast. And the people are excited about that growth and that change. I can see that. I can see that once you get a group of like-minded RevOps professionals together in, in one team, in one location, that it probably comes um, kind of like an endorphin. Yeah. You probably tr trigger on each other's energy, momentum, ideas, hunger, um, and passion to see to see growth, to see success. So I imagine that it reminds me of like a, you know, playing varsity sports or whatever. Um, that sense of being on that journey together and, and getting a kick out of all of it, which yep. is good because you know you can't be a, a ball player all your life. So it's good to see that there's a <laughs> this career is just like that that you can enjoy the same highs. Exactly. Yep. Yep. It it feeds on itself. It compounds on itself. And you know, RevOps is a is a great place to be. There's a great community out there. There's a lot of resources out there, like the RevAmp podcast, but you know, other other stuff. Um, and you know, don't feel like you're alone. You know, you've got a team internal in the organization, but also remember that you've got a team outside the organization and pretty much anyone that you've had on your podcast and are, you know, in LinkedIn or, you know, other forums, like you reach out, they love to talk about revenue operations. You know, they love to talk about the journey and the pitfalls and the things to look out for. So, that's really exciting to be a part of that community. I see that many of them are truly ambassadors for, for the value and importance of revenue operations. Uh, you know, obviously we had Rosalind just on the show last week and I see that you're no exception that equally you are as passionate as the rest. And unfortunately in, in each of these recordings, we have, you know, a link to each of your LinkedIn profiles di directly uh, below. So it's not difficult for anybody to find you if they want to reach out directly and ask questions and, and tune in. To, uh, to all of your experiences. So Dane, to kind of bring you to a close, super thankful that you've, uh, you've given us time today to share your experiences. We are invested in your uh, present future success story over at Binder. Uh, I know these next months will be pivotal and, and really monumental. Uh, and we hope that you'll come back in the future and, and tell us how that story uh, rolled out. And, uh, and thank you once again. Yeah, we could do part two, the learnings from the journey. Absolutely. Dane, thank you so much. Wishing you well from, from everybody here in the RevAmp team and, uh, and look forward to, to seeing you grow. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.